Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland. Oh, 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 he's the worst Red Raider, unbelievable! The Scarlet and Black are back on the final bowl club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Let's meet today's hosts. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome into another installment of the Guns Up Nation podcast. I am RC Maxfield alongside Tobias Bass down in H-Town. Tobias, it's a little sunny down there today, isn't it? It's very sunny. It's been a nice couple of days. I think it's going to get cold Thursday or our version of cold Thursday, but it's been pretty pretty warm and we're getting out the house walking with my mom and my siblings, so it's been fun. Yeah, I can't say the same thing here in the 806. It's been cold. Um, it, you know how Lubbock weather is though, you know, when the morning it's 22 degrees and then by three o'clock in the afternoon, it's a nice 64 or whatnot, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the weather it's been going, but the next couple of days it's supposed to be really chilly, but I just took, uh, both dogs on a walk now since we got two here now, Tobias, I don't know if you know that. Yeah. yeah. yeah I remember you told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I got Murphy dog and then I brought my, uh, older dog back out here to, be friends with Murphy. But on today's podcast, we'll talk about Texas Tech men's basketball as well as the women's basketball program as both of them are set to face off against Incarnate Ward this afternoon. Well, at least the women this afternoon. Um, And then the men later this Tuesday night, we're recording this at 11 a.m. on Tuesday, and they're set to face off against the Cardinals. Kind of weird how they had um, two big 12 games, and then, you know, they literally had it to where – like there's a week off, nobody plays, and then incredible. Ward. Can you know? and, very, very, and by the way, mm-hmm. I'll say it right now. I don't know if you could hear it, Tobias, but my dog is like choking in the background right now. But I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm just gonna put it out there just in case people wanted to know what that was. But um, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you get. Uh, what's wrong with the dog? It's just. Is the dog okay? I think she drank water too fast, if I'm being honest. Okay. <laughs> That's all. Have you ever had a dog that's done that? Like, where they're like, like I, I don't even know what it is. Like, it's almost like heaving, like, or something, but yeah. they're not throwing up. They're just, they're like, it goes down the wrong pipe, I guess. Yeah, no, that uh, would be the best way to describe it. But no, she's good. Let's put that out there. She is okay. But what were you saying about uh, Texas Tech basketball? Sorry, man. I don't even remember what I said. Now, <laughs> You're I'm, I'm too worried, worried about the dog. I'm, I'm worried about the dog. <laughs> fair enough, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. All right, we'll talk about basketball. And then Tobias and I haven't had a podcast yet, um, but Texas Tech football made some news right before Christmas, and we'll lead into it right now. They uh, found a new offensive coordinator. They're bringing back Sonny Cumbie. Um, was at TCU for a while, but now he's coming back home to the Red Raiders. Uh, last time he was in Lubbock was 2013, where he was a co-offensive coordinator. Um, a lot of people may remember Cumbie being the co-offensive coordinator at TCU when they were really good, the tip pass yeah. game um, with Trayvon Boykin, and where they made the college football playoff um, at that point. And you know, Tobias, they, 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 a lot of, remember, they, they didn't make it, make it that year. They got screwed. Ohio State was fourth. You're right. You're right. They should have made it. You're correct. Yeah. Only, only reason why I know that is because my brother, he went to TCU the year they were really good, and they were pissed when they didn't, they didn't make it. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, they didn't make it. But they, they were one of those teams in the conversation, uh, yeah. probably what I should have said. But, yeah, so Sonny Cumbie um, hired as the OC. 
You know, I, I wrote an article for gunsupnation.com listing my fav, top five favorite candidates for the position in order. Number one was Graham Harrell. I think, Tobias, we both know that was just me dreaming um, in the sense of you have to make the phone call, right? Like you have to yeah. just see what the demands are. Um, and if he laughs in your face, okay, he laughs in your face. That's fine. Um, but my number two option was Sonny Cumbie, and it was because of what he's proven at TCU. And a lot of people will say, well, he really wasn't that great at TCU. Well, to a degree, they would be right, in my opinion. But you have to understand what kind of game TCU wants to play, right? They're one of those few teams in the Big 12. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Tobias, they might be the only team in the Big 12 that kind of puts defense first, right? Maybe Iowa State um, before yeah. they got Brock Purdy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. But they want to muck it up, right? They want to make the yeah. game physical, and they want to make it dirty, and they want to ground and pound. And that's not really what Sonny Cumbie wanted to do. Did he excel at it to a degree? Yeah. Could he have been better? Yeah. Um, but I think that's a lot of offensive coordinators. But the beauty of this hire, in my opinion, is that Matt Wells is going to sink or swim with him. And Sonny Cumbie is going to sink or swim by himself um, to a degree as well, which is perfect because you listen to the press conference and um, there was a really telling quote by Sonny Cumbie where he basically said, we're going to go in, see the personnel we have, and we're going to adjust to the personnel. Um, you and I had talked about this all football season long on podcast device, how we were just visibly, audibly frustrated with Coach Yost and how he just didn't seem to play to the personnel that Texas right. Tech had. Um, now, if Sonny Cumbie is a man that, you know, follows his words in this, um, this situation, we're going to see guys put in their proper position. We're going to see guys that can excel. Um, and there's a rumor out there right now that they're going to go try and get a grad transfer quarterback on this roster. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to be a starter by any stretch, but they want to get some more experience in that room, which makes a lot of sense. And in my opinion, it actually makes me think, okay, I think that they're going to try and get somebody in here that's, you know, seen it and done it before so they can start a Baron Morton. Um, but Tobias, before we get too far into the hire, what was your first initial thought um, when you heard Sonny Cumbie would be the offensive coordinator for Texas Tech? Um, I liked it. I liked it. I mean, what stood out to me was, you know, since he's been at TCU, he's had pros coming out of there. Jalen Rager, the most recently, he was a first-round pick. He's had um, Doxon. He hasn't really played in the NFL, but, you know, he's making these receivers pros. Obviously, he was the OC and the quarterback's coach, but he's putting these receivers in a good spot to show what they can do. And we've always we've already seen that Ted, we have talent at the wide receiver position. It's all about the play calling the scheme in which they were being used. And we have tight ends. We have what two good ones coming in next year. So yeah. I like the hire and I want to see what he can do. Like I said, he's put pros, skill position players in the, you know, in the NFL at the wide receiver position. That's really due to scheming and just play calling. So I think that my point is, is if he can run plays and get these guys in the right in the right system like EZE, et cetera, you're gonna start seeing these guys um really pop. I think Texas offense will definitely be a lot, you know, more, a lot more fun to watch and we'll be scoring points. Because summertime, you've seen it this year, the offense, it was just hard to watch at times. And it's, you know, it, yeah, it was tunnel screen after tunnel screen. Then, you know, the middle of the field would be wide open. Why isn't anyone running across the middle of the field? Tight end. We were told that tight ends were going to be used. They, they weren't. So it's very frustrating. But we have talent at all these positions. I just really, really want to see them, uh, you know, see them being utilized more. And I think that company can do it. 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting for me because you looked at what TCU had this year um, in terms of talent at the wide receiver position. And you mentioned it already. They lost Jalen Rager. That's a pretty big hit considering it's a first round pick. Um, But they had talent out there, but I don't think it was anywhere close to what Texas Tech had. Um, You could argue that Texas Tech in terms of their wide receiver position, just the wide receivers was maybe the second best wide receiving group in the conference outside of Oklahoma. Yeah, and, that, and that's my point. If he, if he can do that with, you know, not trying to play their less than, but they're not as talented as tech receivers, imagine what he can do when he has three to four time, more talented receivers. Like, he made Jalen Rager. Okay, that was, the, they had, that was their first offensive skill position player drafted since 2016. So they went, yeah, so they went four years. Yeah, they went four years again without one. So I think some of these guys on tell like, easy, he's draftable. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, he's easily draftable. You know, I think Miles Price in a couple of years, I think he's draftable. You have uh, Jerram Brownlee coming in next year. I don't want to, you know, predict the future, but he was an All-American. I, I think he'll be draftable in a couple of years. You know what I'm saying? So we have the two tight ends we're bringing in next year. So I think he'll be – if he can get these guys on the right track and build a system that fits around their skill set, I think Texas offense will be a lot of fun to watch. And we've talked about the skill positions. I think the biggest thing for me when it comes to Cumbie is this guy is a proven recruiter in the sense of he gets grown-ass men on the offensive line. Um, He has proven this time and time again. Um, Now, you look at TCU's offensive line this year, they were – yeah, it wasn't very good, but you look at it, there was a lot of injuries, guys playing out of position. And that's going to hurt your outcome in terms of productivity on the offensive line. So, yeah, Texas Tech does need to come in and replace a Jack Anderson who is going to get drafted. We don't know where, but he will get drafted. Um, So you have to look and see what can you do there. Is there the transfer portal? Can he potentially take some of those recruits away from TCU, right? Is that possible? Um, There's opportunities there for him to rebuild this offensive line and make it – a solid unit. I don't think anybody's going to come out there and expect them to be a top five unit in the country or anything, Right. but an, a line that can keep a potentially freshman quarterback from making hurried mistakes um, and stuff like that. And I think Cumbie has proven that he can recruit on that side of things in terms of the offensive line and in the trenches. So um, going to be interesting to see what he does there. But I, I thought overall, Tobias, you know, you hear people say, um, it was a home run hire, right, or a, a grand slam hire. I talked about it um, on my radio show on 100.7, the score, when he got hired. I thought this was like a three-run home run kind of hire. You know, it wasn't quite a grand slam, not the best you can do. But, damn, you'll take a three-run home run anytime you can get one. Um, you know, for sure. And and I think another thing that cannot go understated, uh, because a lot of tech fans, Tobias, again, I hear it a lot um, on the chat line and everything, is that, how the hell are all these kids from West Texas leaving? You know, you got these three, four-star recruits in West Texas. Remember, we talked about this. We talked about this. We yes. talked this like, like a month ago, and I, and I didn't. It pissed me off because I didn't, I didn't understand. There's a linebacker going to Oklahoma. I'm sorry, a quarterback going to Mississippi State. I'm like, yeah. And I think how? I get it. And I think I get it now. And, and you can, I think you can accept this too. I think some, some of it, and I don't want to say all of these kids, right, because yeah. we don't know them um, down, you know, where we're friends or anything. But a lot of people want to go experience something new in college, right? And West Texas is very isolated. Um, You don't really get to travel that much. I mean, the nearest big city is, what, five hours away? Um, So you want to go experience new things, and I get that. But also, I think the Cumbie hire is huge because he can show kids that kids from West Texas can excel out here. 
because he's from Snyder. He's right down the road. So mm. what you need to do, you can show like, hey, I get it. Um, you want to go experience new things, but we know you grew up here. You're a Red Raider. You're right there. Your friends and family can come see every game you play, every game, right? And you're going to be here. You're going to be the hometown hero and everything like that. So I think it's a huge deal um, that Sonny Cumbie just so happens to be from Snyder and is a West Texas kid. I think that appeals and will help in the recruiting trail because I don't think there's anybody like that on the staff right now. You know, you got Wells from Oklahoma, both of them. You have um, other guys from, you know, different areas in Texas, but you don't really have that prominent guy from West Texas, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I always find it interesting, like, why can't they keep, like, obviously not going to be able to keep all of them, but why can't they get, like, two of them? You know what I mean? Because they're right sure. down the road. And especially, you know, what's going on right now with, you know, COVID. I figured a lot of kids now, they might want to stay home or closer to home just strictly because of the times that we're living in right now. But it's just been kind of weird they haven't been able to get any of these guys. Yeah, and, and to a degree, I think, you know, that's a flaw um, in the recruiting. But yeah. at the same time, what Coach Wells is wanting to do, um, especially on the transfer front, which I think there's a lot more transfers on the way um, as they got that safety from Duke, um, yeah. Waters. I, I love him, by the way. I think that's an awesome pairing with Eric Monroe back there in the secondary. Um, I think what he's trying to do is really get those guys – um, on the offensive end that are really, you know, can maybe produce right away, but most of them are raw. You notice you look at the right. recruiting class they have right now. There's 11 guys in it. Ten of them are on offense. Mm. So you look at that, or nine of them are on offense. I apologize. Um, so what does that make you think, that he's going to try and go get some of those more experienced guys? And I think Coach Wells um, – and let, let's be honest, I think you and I would agree, Coach Wells has done a great job of recruiting power five um, transfers. He's done a great oh, job yeah, with that. Great job. He's, he's, he's like beard in the respect. He's getting, yeah. he's getting a lot of guys coming in. Great job. Great job. Um, obviously, the results are – it's a results-based business, so, yeah. um, you know, that hasn't helped. But um, I think it's really a telling sign that he's going to go out and get a lot of transfers on the defense for this recruiting class, yeah. Um, yeah. which is great because – Coach Patterson has already proven that he can take a step up. That defense at times kept Tech in games. Um, was it, you know, Alabama or, you know, an SEC high-caliber defense? No. But for Texas Tech standards, I'm telling you, if that's a typical offensive year that Texas Tech has with that defense in a 10-game year, they probably win seven games. Obviously, it wasn't. Um, right. But that's just what happens, right? So, um, I think it's really telling, and I think that's huge because now Cumbie can focus on the offensive side, and this allows yeah. Wells and Patterson to really focus in on those power five transfers and transfer from the JUCO level that they want on the defensive side. Then I figured, you know, the defense, it stretches, you know, they were giving up a bunch of points, but they weren't – they showed that they could be formidable. Like they were solid exactly. that time. I figured he was saying, you know, we, get a, we continue to get – mature guys in. If I can get an OC that I can trust, not saying he didn't trust, you know, now before, but maybe he can get a – you can get some veteran defensive guys, and I can strictly work on these guys because we're more of a mature. If we can just get, you know, more than to come in there and get some more pieces and run the right system, we could be all right. They could win seven games, like you said before, because the defense looked solid at times. You know, it was tough when the offense would put them in bad spots. But if you continue to get veteran guys that have been in college a year or two on defense, 
the offense will come along. The defense just keep you in games. The offense will come along because, like you said before, you have too much talent not to be scoring a lot of points. If you can just get a good offensive coordinator and they can run the right plays, they'll be all right. Yeah, no, I'm really interested to see uh, what happens. I'm trying to keep my expectations level down, but, you know, I'm super excited about Morton. I'm sure you are too, um, and the potential of him starting as a true freshman for Texas Tech. Um, let's move on, though, Tobias. Texas Tech basketball, um, two games into Big 12 play. Um, you know, you lose a heartbreaker to Kansas by one point. And by the way, you can, uh, we're not doing one tonight, strictly big 12 games. Um, mm -hmm. but you can check out the guns up nation post game shows right here on the Facebook page, Tobias and I'll be up doing those. And then, um, Hey, let's go ahead and announce this Tobias. We're going to be doing it from two docs. So yep. that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we'll be doing the post game show live from two docs brewing in downtown Lubbock. Um, where you can come and hang out with me. Tobias will be there in February with me. Um, but, yeah, we'll be doing that live from there at Two Docs Come Down. You can watch the game with some of the Raider Riot crew, um, obviously social distance and wearing masks mm -hmm. and everything like that. Um, but come enjoy a beer with some buddies who want to talk Texas Tech basketball. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout-out on the Guns Up Nation postgame show um, that you can listen to right here on the Facebook page as well. But mm – -hmm. So two games into Big 12 play, Tobias. Again, I said you lost that heartbreaker to Kansas. Kind of crazy. Kyler Edwards doesn't score a point, and you only lose by one. Mm -hmm. And then you go up to OU, and you try to hand that game back to the Sooners. Um, at the Probably. very end, Reeves missed that bunny layup. Um, yeah. Where, honestly, if that happened at the rec, Tobias, while you and I were in school, we would not be able to play basketball at the rec for like a week. No, especially not, especially not like that. Like, yeah, that was an intramural game. And we oh, did there's no way we're playing, man. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, that's not what we're playing. So my question, though, is, Tobias, you've seen two games. Um, you know, you're going into the eighth home game tonight against Incarnate Ward. And let's just forget this game. We think Texas Tech's going to win, and they should win, right? Um, but let's talk about Oklahoma State a little bit and what's coming up there. What do you think Texas Tech will need to do to beat the potential number one overall pick on Saturday um, at the 2021 draft, I should say, the number potential number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham? Uh, we're gonna try to slow him down. They play with a lot of guards at the same time. Uh, likely, likely's pretty good. He, he's not gonna like get talked about. Yeah, he's not gonna get talked about a lot because Kay Cunningham, you know, runs the show. But they run a couple of guards at the same time. They have um, likely Cunningham. They play with um, two twins, right? Um, oh, Avery Anderson, the twins. Oh, the Bone Twins. Yeah, the, the Bone, bone, bone Twins. Twin. Yeah, yeah. They play with a lot of guards at times. I think they're going to have to be solid all around defensively because they're going to try to penetrate, you know, get in the lane, things like that. They're going to have to be solid defensively. Um, also, they go for a lot of steals at times. I think that the motion – I think the motion will be able to kill them all night, especially if they run it effectively and they cut hard. They'll definitely be able to kill them with that. But I think it's going to be defense. Hey, Cunningham, he's a uh, mismatch nightmare. It wouldn't surprise me if you see three to four, maybe even five guards guarding him at, you know, at different times of the game, like Shannon, uh, you know, probably I would even throw some of the freshmen, the younger guys on the one with the longer arms to see if they could guard him as well. Namari, yeah, Namari would be interesting on him, I think. Yeah, Namari, yeah, for sure. I know we're, we're strictly talking about Oklahoma State, but I think it's critical tonight when they play Incarnate Ward um, that Kevin McCuller comes back because yeah, um, I would one. love to see Kevin McCuller on Cade Cunningham for stints and periods of time. I don't think he can guard him the whole game. I don't think that's realistic. Um, just due to Cade Cunningham being a great player first and foremost, um, and it being only Kevin McCuller in his second game back, um, if he does play tonight, and that's an if um, at this point. So 
for me, what I want to see when they play Oklahoma State and teams like Oklahoma State, because for me, in my opinion, I don't think Oklahoma State's very different from other teams in the Big 12 um, Mm -hmm. in the sense that, yeah, they do have arguably the best player in the Big 12, but they seem to have – and maybe – Maybe this is just me. There seems to be one guy that runs the show for every team in the Big 12 that's really good, right? Yeah. Like you got down in Austin, you got Coleman, right? Yeah. You have the Big 12 player of the year at Baylor, preseason Big 12 player of the year, I should yeah. say. Um, at Oklahoma, you got a guy that runs the show in Reeves. You got a guy at Oklahoma State in Cunningham that runs the show. Now, do they do mm-hmm. different things? Absolutely. But I think when it comes down to the scheme, Oklahoma State isn't different in the sense that the, that one guy is running the show and he's a bigger guard. Um, obviously, I shouldn't have put Coleman in there. He's a kind of a smaller guy, but he does run the show down there. So you kind of know what's going on there. The problem with Cade Cunningham is in the Big 12 and its current landscape, you might see Boykin put him at the four. You yeah. might see him at the five at some points. What, what interests me, do you, do you know who the leading rebounder on the team is? Is it likely? Yeah, he averaged eight a game. So likely averages so, eight a game? There's no rebounds. way that's right. 8.3 rebounds a game. Holy crap. So my, my point is, is Silva, he is going to have to destroy them on the like, – they don't rebound. They're, 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 wow. they're, they're, they're best. So two of their three rebounders is Cunningham. He's, he's big as hell, obviously, but likely leaves them in rebound. So that tells me is – they're going to have to team Mac. He's going to have to get out of his ass and rebound. That's what that tells me. Cause they mm-hmm. shoot, they shoot a lot of threes and sometimes there's long misses. That does help, but likely he crashes the glass a lot. And sometimes teams, when they zone, I don't think tech was on them, but they put likely in the, like in the elbow. So sure. he's always, so he's always there. So K shoots a, shoots a, you know, a three and he misses. You know how it is. A lot of guards, they don't box out because they're used to getting the ball on breaks. They don't, they usually don't box out. So he just slips behind them and gets it. So Mac is one going to have to box out. Every player, whoever the matchup is against Likely. And I think this is a game where Santos Silva has to dominate. He's going he's gonna to have to because they crashed the glass so much. We're going to have to be expecting him and Shannon and those bigger wings to go in there and get all those defensive rebounds because if not, they're gonna, he's going to kill you on the glass. 8.3 rebounds from a 6-1 guard is insane. You know, you're talking about having Mac on Likely. I would counter and say that they put Kyler on him because Kyler yeah, is the best re- rebounding yeah. guard as well. So yeah. – I would probably say that's the matchup to look out for. Likely he gets three offensive rebounds a game. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. From a 6'1 be- guard. Technically, yeah. he's, he, with those dreads, though, right, he's probably 6'3". They, say, they said he's 6'5". I don't think he's 6'5". Okay. They say he's 6'5". Okay, well, he's with big. those dreads, he's 6'7", then, I guess, right? Yeah. You know, by the way, yeah. great dread game by him. I don't know why he got it cut um, a little bit. You notice that? He got it cut a little yeah. bit this year? It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and – and one more point I want to make out to Chris Harris, the guy from Dallas, he was thinking about committing tech. I think he went yeah. on a visit a couple of years he ago. Did. He also he was in our, the final three. Yeah, final three. He ended up obviously picking Oklahoma State, but he is also on the team as well. So this is going to be a very uh, interesting game, but I think that they're going to have to rebound because Cunningham, he's just he's just a big physical press. I want to see who what the matchups are like on him as well. Um, I don't. I don't, I don't, we, we won't zone them, but I think it would be interesting because they don't, I don't think they shoot a three well, in my opinion. Yeah, they shoot 23 point, yeah, they shoot 23.5% from three. I, I, don't, I don't know if we will zone them, but I, I would, I would probably consider it. Real quick, you said they shoot 23.3%? Yeah, and this is, this is what I'm looking at is wrong. They say, what I'm looking at on as a sports reference, it says they shoot. I got you. Um, oh, no, they, they shoot my best. 
They shoot thirty. They shoot the 30, 30. 30.5 percent. Yeah. What do you think Texas Tech shoots from three? Who do you think? um, And I can't look at the attempts right now, but out of the guys that play the most minutes per game, who do you think is the highest three-point shooter on this team? Shannon? Yeah. Yeah. Technically, it's Jamarius Burton. He's shooting 45.5%, but the problem is I think he's only taken like four or five attempts. I don't even know. I don't even know how the math works there, um, to be honest with you. But, yeah, um, the thing is, too, and – I know we're spending a lot of time on Oklahoma or Oklahoma state. I should say Um, this game for me is going to be one thing and one thing only Tobias you, you have um, arguably again, the number one player in the class of 2021 in terms of draft class, right? Um, Literally coming to the USA and I'm going to look for one matchup. You talked about who's going to guard him. Is it going to be Shannon? Is it going to be Burnett? And I think you're right. I think it is going to be a lot of guys. But the one matchup I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure you're right there with me, I want to see Terrence Shannon and Cade Cunningham go to -to head-to-head. That's two potential lottery guys right there. And I I truly think – and this game's only on Big 12 now, ESPN+. Plus. But you know it's going to be on highlights and everything in terms of ESPN and everything like that because it's Cade Cunningham. I truly think that Saturday will be the coming out party on the national scale for Terrence Shannon Jr. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Tobias, you and I have talked about it, and I've gotten called crazy on Twitter. I don't know if you have or not. Um, that When I say that Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to be a lottery pick um, this next year, and ESPN has him as a lottery pick in 2022, but not 2021. Um, yeah. I've seen mock drafts that have Terrence Shannon as high as sixth, which I think is ridiculous. Please no, he's not going sixth. Um, this this draft is ridiculously loaded. Terrence Shannon would have to be Big 12 Player of the Year and break records uh, for this mm-hmm. to happen. Um, but I think his sweet spot, Tobias, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I think Terrence Shannon gets picked in that 12 to 16 range this year. Um, yeah. That's where he gets picked. I mean, yeah, I think – I think I think twelve is a good number, especially I want to see if Terrence Clark and BJ Boston they continue to struggle. He might even be able to go up a couple of spots because they haven't played well at all. Sure. They both shoot like twenty eight percent from three and like thirty from the field. So I mean, I assume they'll get better as time goes along. But as of today, they are not playing as up to expectations. So I think that if he continues to ball, especially the way he's playing right now, I could see him definitely almost be a borderline top ten pick if he keeps playing this way. And the thing is, Tobias, and again, this is eight games, right? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. In a normal year, this would be a quarter of the games, right? You play 32 games or thirty-two games yeah. a year typically. We're talking about a quarter of the year, 25%, yeah. right? But if I would have told you, Tobias, that literally a quarter of the way in in a normal year, for a COVID year, it's a little different, that Terrence Shannon was shooting 40% from three, you probably would have called me insane after seeing what we saw last year. Yeah, no, I would have. I would have. No way. Then also he's he's shooting a you know a great clip spread percentage from the field from three but think about how timely some of those shots those clutch shots that he's making late in the game timely yeah, yeah very very timely clutch shots so I mean then like I said then they're then they're heavily contested you know on two K his shit would have been red but he's making them so <laughs> you know he's, he's he's making them so I you know I, I I can't say anything like I said I feel like he shoots better contested than he does uncontested which is weird to me but he's just a gamer yeah no I. Again, you, you you know how I feel about Terrence Shannon Jr. I feel like I was yeah. higher on him when he came in here as a freshman than maybe virtually you, anybody. 
I mean, because the because the potential. I mean, you can you can just see it. He just yeah. needed like some like a, like a confidence boost. I mean, now he's the now he's the guy on the team. He's you know, you can just see that you know this guy in a year year and a half could be a lottery pick, and now he's gotten significantly better. Now he's gotten a you know confidence boost. He just looks like a completely different player. Um, I'm just really excited to see what he's going to do. But I, I agree with you though. I think that this will be a. I think he'll be ready to play. He's just a baller. I think that he'll be ready to play again. This will be a you know his opportunity to be on the national scale. Cause if he can now play him and tech beats them, that'll definitely do wonders for his, uh, his projector where he's going. Uh, Cause NBA Scott's going to be all over this game. And every, you know, Kate Cunningham, he's on the ESPN every day. He, he, he does anything. He's going to be on the ESPN every day. So if Shannon cannot play him. This, the, I, you can see him skyrocket up the uh, potential draft boards. What's wild to me though, is Tobias. And we're, I'm looking at the stats right now, the season totals, how many three point attempts do you think Terrence Shannon has on the year? In eight games. 27? Lower. Hmm. He's 19? only shot 20 attempts. Hmm. It's kind of crazy, right? Bro. But the, it feels like he's shooting more than that. It does. It really does. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, when the, the most impressive thing, though, with Terrence, in my opinion, um, you know, obviously we're going to talk about his three-point shooting developing and everything like that, but – how he tries to be a playmaker, right, yeah. um, especially at his size. I wouldn't say he's the number one or even number two option in terms of playmaking. He's probably, what, fourth, I would say, behind Mac Edwards and Burton. Yeah. yeah. I would probably say that he's fourth, realistically. Um, how many turnovers do you think he has this year? Again, in eight games. Like, 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 like the average or the total number? Total number. Twelve. He has six turnovers. Mm, wow. Mm. He's taking care of the ball. Last year he yeah. was kind of careless. And now, I mean, this is a we, – we talked about it. This If you go look at what – again, I'm putting a lot of pressure on this guy right now, and I get it. Um, but if you looked at the elevation in terms of play that Jarrett Culver had and Terrence Shannon Jr. had, it's virtually identical through yeah. the first eight games of the year. And, and the crazy part is Terrence Shannon, he had to play better competition um than Jarrett did because obviously you play the number five team in the country right now um in Houston and then you had to play Kansas another top five team so he's already played those two teams and he only has six turnovers through that many games so I mean crazy to think about but um a lot of fun to watch him Mac McClung's got to get a little bit better my bold prediction Tobias is uh got to get a little better you remember my bold prediction yeah Matt yeah. McClung shooting three. Yeah, he's only shooting 29% right now. That's got to get a little better. I mean, so, so, some of it is, I mean, he could, he could just make it easy on himself. How many of those contested step-back threes does, does he take a game? Yeah, he yeah. makes one and a half a game. Okay, sure. But when he's curling off the screens, he, I mean, he, he's, he's curling off the The way he moves without the ball is beautiful. It's just that once he catches it, now he wants to do the ball as a like mixtape thing. Now, that, yeah. that's the thing. Because once he catches it, then, okay, now well, he, he's one of those guys you just like – Damn, Mac, but then as soon as you turn your head, you've done something crazy. But then, then it's just like, that's the guy we want to see right there. If he can do a little bit less of the step back, bad shots, and do a little bit of like, damn, Mac's so good. If he can do more of those things, I think he'll, he'll be all right. Who do you think has the most made three-pointers on the team this year, Tobias? Got to be Shannon. No, no, no. It's, it, Shannon only has eight, remember? Oh, so most made threes? M- most made threes, not the highest percentage. Oh, should be Maggie shoots a lot. You know, he's tied he? for the most attempts on the team, too. He doesn't even have the most attempts. Who is it? 
Kyler Edwards. Mm. Kyler Edwards really? Has, Kyler Edwards has 14 made threes on 42 attempts. Mac McClung has 12 made threes on 42 attempts. You look at Kyler Edwards mm. right now, he's shooting 33% wow. from three, um, and Mac is shooting 28. That's the and what's weird is that's like right under average. Like as uh, bad as he's as bad as he shot, like it, it I, literally, literally. You know, I've been the guy that's been harder on him than anybody. Yeah, and as bad as he shot, like literally, like we've been killing him. He's like a percent and a half under average. It's wild. It's bad. That, that, that's wild. I, I would not have guessed that. that that's wild. Yeah. No, I was. I, I got to give him credit when credit's due. He had that 0 for 9 game, but, I mean, shoot. He's uh, I mean, hey, at least he's, he puts, puts together a couple, good couple of games. This, we, we will, we'll forget all about that. Yeah, I think the problem is with me with Kyler is his worst two games of the year were the two biggest games of the year so far, which sucks, but it is what it is, you know. He had a bad game against Houston, and he didn't have a great game, obviously, against KU. So, um, But let's transition to the last point of the podcast, Tobias. It's women's basketball. They play here in about an hour so um, against Incarnate Ward. So by the time you hear this, you'll know if the Lady Raiders won or not. Um, but they lost their starting point guard in Kristen Carr. She's leaving due to the yeah. transfer portal. Tobias, you, you pay attention to this women's basketball team more than anybody I know personally. Um, how big of a loss is this for the Lady Raiders and Coach Gerlich in her first year as head coach? I know this hurts. She's 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 the best player on the team. She's, um, she's the best player on the team. I think she's the best player on the team. She's spectacular. Like, Above Vivian Gray. Vivian. I think Vivian Vivian, 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 Vivian has the Gray potential to be a first team All Big Twelve. Like, she, she 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 can. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll take that. I just I just think I think Kristen's really really good. I want to see where she's gonna go. She's gonna go somewhere huge because I mean I think I think she's really really good. I well, think she also where she's from. She's yeah, from Iowa. I I would not be shocked if she goes to Iowa. Hmm. No, Vivian Gray's a stud. I mean, she's they had they had a that that team is good. They had they have a really 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 good team. I think it's definitely gonna be a um. I mean, you know, it's gonna hurt them. This is one of their leaders from last year. She's been here what two years now, yeah. so I think she's gonna. This is going to definitely be a big chunk out of them for sure. But I think that someone needs to step up is uh, Janae Johnson. She's been a very big leader. You always see her on social media talking. You know, she's always on the videos, you know, being a leader. I think she'll continue to do that. But I think she also will have to just step up just due to the situation that's happened. I think that she'll just have to continue to lead, but also just be, you know, the production going to have to go. Because going to need someone to go in and replace what Kristen does. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree 100%. It's going to be a big loss. The other girl that I would look out for is uh, Najee Murray. I want to see what she does. And uh, Tell me if I pronounced that name right, Tobias. Is it Najee? You know I think so. Najee? Yeah, I, think I think so. I might so. say it wrong, too. Uh, I, I, if I butchered the name, I apologize, but it's Murray. But you look at what she did. She, she went to St. Mary's, and she went to San Diego State. Now Texas Tech is her third school. But you look at what she's done – um, at those stops and what kind of game she plays. She's 5'6". She's from Stockton, California. You look at what she averaged at San Diego State, averaging 13.7 points, 4.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists, and almost two steals a game with the Aztecs. And she shot 80% from the free throw line. I think she's going to be somebody that can come in and maybe potentially take over that lead guard spot and be a bigger guard um, for Coach Gerlich at 5'6", and um, really make an impact. Because you look at it, I think, Again, we I had to talk you into it a little bit, but Vivian Gray is the leader of this team. Yeah, she um, has 17.6 a game. Yeah. yeah. So Vivian is the one that I think is going to be a star. I mean, she is the star, yeah. right? 
Yeah. Um, obviously, Gordon is going to step up as well. She She's inconsistent a little bit, but at the same time, she does do her job really, really well. Yeah. Um, but I think Murray could be the girl that really um, comes in, you know, really takes that next step. She's already playing, and if you look at it, she kind of has done that since um, Carr has left. Her yeah. minutes uptick has been kind of – in, you know critical of what it seems you know that's what it seems like coach girl is just going to go to her you look at it the first five games of the year she went 17 11 14 15 16 in terms of minutes and then the game that Carr left she had 30 and now she had 26 and tonight I bet she plays pretty close in between that so you look at kind of the stats that she has she has 9.7 rebounds three assists in one game that she started 8.6 rebounds, two assists. Now the thing that really needs to change is the turnovers, but I'm really interested to see what Murray does because I think she could be that girl that takes that next step and is the quote-unquote partner in crime for Vivian Gray, who is, um, you know, a potential all-first team, uh, Big 12 first-teamer. So um, going to be interesting to see, but what is your uh, outlook for this uh, team moving forward? Um, I think I think they can be a tournament team. You know, them losing Kristen is going to hurt them. But I mean, they have you have they have their two stars too. You have Vivian Gray and Lexi Gordon. Those guys, those those, those two girls, they get every. They're the ones that get them going. So, I think they can make the tournament. I've been saying this a lot. I think I said this last year, but um, when there was no tournament, they weren't going to make it anyway. But I think they can make the tournament. They can rally around each other and stay healthy. You know. It's kind of weird, you know, at one point, Lexi was thinking about transferring. Coach, Coach Gerlich was able to get her to stay. Kristen said she was, too. She stayed, and now she's leaving again. It is what it is. But I think that if they can keep everything within house and stay together, you are losing, you know, one of your leaders on the team, I think they can be a tournament. I think Coach Gerlich, I think she's a really good coach. And I think if she can get them to just rally around each other and not worry about the distraction, about people leaving and the rumors with this and that, I think they can be a tournament team. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if they'll be a tournament team this year. I think they'll be close. Yeah. I think you're saying close, the same yeah. thing. It's not, you're not yeah. saying they're for a sure team. Yeah. Um, but I think they will play in a postseason tournament this year, whether that's the yeah. NCAA or it's going to be, you know, maybe like the, you know, the NIT. Or um, yeah. But what I really want to see is this girls team just finish in the top six of the Big 12. That's all I really want to mm. see because yeah. I feel like we've gotten accustomed to them finishing at the bottom half of the Big 12. I really want to see them if they if they can somehow get to fifth, Tobias, which I it seems like a pipe dream. But if they can get to fifth in the conference this year, I am elated and I am ecstatic for the next yeah. season because everybody's coming back. Maybe even Vivian yeah, right. Gray, who knows? Right. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about what Coach Gurlich is doing. Um, seems like the program's headed in the right direction, and it seems like they finally found some stability there um, with the women's basketball program. But that's all we got for today's podcast. That's Tobias Bass. You can follow him at Tobias underscore Bass on Twitter. You can follow me, RC Maxfield, at RCMB323. And be sure to go follow Guns Up Nation over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Trying to get that cloud up over on Instagram. And be sure to tune in on Saturday when Tobias Bass and I are back on the airwaves on a, on a not, I was about to say Instagram Live, a Facebook Live. Go to the Facebook page. Do not go to Instagram. We will not be there. Go to Facebook Live, and we will recap the Oklahoma State and now the number 13 Texas Tech Red Raiders men's basketball game on Saturday when they welcome in the projected number one overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft in Cade Cunningham in the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Once again, that's Tobias Bass at Tobias underscore Bass on Twitter. I am RC Maxfield at RCMB323. Be sure to go give us a follow. Be sure to go follow Guns Up Nation. Have a happy holidays. I hope everyone is staying safe. 
and be sure to wear a mask. We'll catch y'all next time, guys. Thanks for listening to the Guns Up Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the podcast hosts and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. Visit our website at GunsUpNation.com for more Texas Tech news. Thanks again and Guns Up.